0: The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the home for amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code worth 10% off your next order at fansets.com. Fansets, our pins have character. More hijinks, maybe? Yes? Is Babenga having a trip? or are we experiencing a reality-bending spatial phenomenon? That's what the doctor needs to discover (laughs) when the crew are transformed into the characters of the Kingdom of Elysium, a book Mabenga has been reading to his daughter Rukia, who has suddenly also disappeared. Mabenga and Hammer, the only two crew members unaffected, must discover if there is a fairy behind this fairy tale, or is this just the effect of a failed experiment to save Rukia's life? (laughs) Today, the Enterprise crew gets to cosplay a medieval-esque fairy tale land as they are hijacked by space consciousness. Ember shows that science can be magic, Uda scores some bullseyes, Ortega's is handy with a blade, and once again, a doctor's child becomes an ethereal space being. If you like to follow the show on social media,
1: you can find us on Twitter at Discovering Trek. Or on Facebook, you can join the conversation on Camp Kittimer. After a few simple questions, our admins, Haley, Jackie, and Fark we will let you in a reminder that this episode of discovering trek provides spoilers if you have not watched yet head over to paramount plus watch the episode and head back failure to do so leaves you open to spoilers
0: i'm matthew simone and i'm joined by yvette blackmont tom and tamia harper hello everybody hello. hi how's everyone doing
2: good totally good really happy to be here
0: To me, I was looking at the article that you had posted on when we were chatting on Slack, the blog for um, Akela Cooper, Mm -hmm. right? And I was wondering if you wanted to chat about that because it's so. I think it's so. It's such a heartfelt reflection, a personal reflection on writing this episode.
2: It was really a wonderful thing to read. I was so enamored of the father-daughter relationship in this episode. And then to find, you know, she basically wrote in in the blog that, uh, you know, this episode was like a love letter to her parents, basically, Mm -hmm. because her parents are the ones who got her started watching Trek. Like Trek was required viewing in her house and all forms of Trek too, you know? I mean, it wasn't just like, TOS or it wasn't just one type of Trek, you know, um, one series and, and how she wrote her parents names, like her parents' names are now canonized in, mm-hmm. you know, in Trek canon. And I thought that was so cool. And that's, uh, Deborah and, uh, Ridley Ridley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was so cool. I mean, I just thought it was a beautiful, um, article because I think a lot of us either, uh, if we weren't raised In Trek that way with our family, we want to raise our families in Trek, you know, (laughs) you know, Um, or we find our chosen family in Trek, you know, Um, so I just thought it was a really beautiful, beautiful
0: post that she did glad you shared it with us. <laughs> yeah, thanks for finding that that, that mm-hmm. was really cool. I was looking I was looking her up and I and I saw that she had written episodes of uh, Grimm so I was like doing fantasy writing already so I'm like, oh it makes sense why it kind of blends into this world yeah. Yeah, but she's got that one part where she had mentioned that in in a conversation with her dad. I guess she had said something about wanting to change an episode of Star Trek. And, and he had said something similar as, as Mabenga says, and this mm-hmm. one I was like, well, when you grow up, you could write your own endings. And now she's here writing Star Trek episodes and I'm like, Oh, that's so cool. I love the fact that she
1: uh, said that it was a love letter to her parents, a kid's love letter to their parents. Cause I, I actually, I was, I think I sent it to you that I had already wrote that in my notes, that yeah. this was how Rakia wanted, you know, she was so, worried about her dad you know even though the whole thing was about him trying to find a cure for her her whole thing was did you have fun daddy i was watching you you look like you have fun did you have fun <laughs> you know and i that part just broke my heart you know mm-hmm. the hardest part about parenting um for what i've found is um parenting adults it's the worst <laughs> you know because you have to let them kind of fall and you have to let them make their own decisions and most of the time you can't help you know you have to let them you know, just go out and do it on their own, and that's that's really tough. You know, people think uh, toddlers are tough. That's nothing compared to twenty-year-olds, uh-huh. you know, who think they're adults. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I totally. You know, it was it hit me in a lot of the fields. Uh, this this episode,
0: Yvette, I, I saw the photo you sent where you're like, I literally thought this, or you circled it in the notes, right? <laughs> Love letter to to Dad. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh... <laughs> I wasn't sure at first how they were going to play this. Cause I was like, is he just under the, ed-? cause he breathes in that gas. Mm-hmm. In yeah. Yeah. I'm like, okay, is he just having like an hallucination? Like, what is this? Mm-hmm. And, and until right hammer is unaffected. And I was like, I'm oh, yeah. Wait a second. other points from this one. Like, I guess generally we all seem to be in agreement that this was a fun episode and we, and we liked it. Uh, yeah, anything yeah. else that really stood out. Oh, my God. There's so much. <laughs> oh, my goodness.
1: I don't even know where to put all of this stuff. I mean, first of all, it was a great Tosk esque type of um, uh, episode because they always did these crazy fantasy um, type episodes. So I love that part about it. I mean, the Easter eggs, you know, we've been waiting for this episode Mainly because I know when we were on the cruise, they had the museum, and these costumes were in there. And then the costumes were at in Chicago, and then they were at the Paley Center um, for the premiere. And I've been waiting for this, and I'm, <laughs> and I've been like, oh, this book—it's got to be a part of this book. We're gonna see something about this book. And then we finally got it. And I don't know if you guys—I think I've shared it with uh, Tamia—the cover of the book you know, the cover of the book is The Elysian Kingdom by Benny Russell.
0: Benny Russell, yeah.
1: (laughs) I was like, what? (laughs) What is happening? I had watched it on my phone. I had, you know, what and I uh, people were talking about it on the mothership this morning, but I didn't have the picture. And they were saying that the, nobody would break it. You know, like it, we have spo- a spoiler column, but no one would say it. And I was like, are they saving it? Maybe they're too high up. And I was like, when I get home, I'm taking a picture so I can send it out. And I sent it out. And people were like, ah. So it, it oh my God, that was everything. <laughs> I couldn't believe that. It was so good. Are these wormhole aliens? They don't believe in linear time.
0: So fascinating i hadn't thought of that you Yeah.
2: Know. who was that that was uh, scott jensen scott jensen scott, scott jensen blew our mind when we like that I was like, discussion today think about that i know i was like oh, non-linear out of space and out of time aliens you know like hmm there's hmm. a funky wormhole i was like scott you might be on to something buddy right here's the, I was <laughs> like you just upended all my thoughts on this on this episode so yeah it was crazy nice. I, I love this um I love this episode because it was so much fun and it was so poignant and tender at the same Mm -hmm. time. I mean, Mm -hmm. what a beautiful, delicate balance that they just really pulled off masterfully, you know, Um, and, uh, you know, because none of the humor seemed forced. I mean, it was just funny. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, there, were, there are some brilliant performances in this episode. Yeah. I think the whole crew did a great job, but I mean, yeah. I'm saving, I'm saving that part for when we give out the medals, if we're going <laughs> to give out the medals, because like, yes. I have some medals to give out. Uh, what I really <laughs> love. Okay. So it starts with the very beginning, the very opening scene uh, between Mubenga and his daughter, Rukia. Mm-hmm. And it was so tender and just so precious and mm-hmm. so special. And you were already, I was already in the feels like from yeah. that moment. You know, just for me, the this depiction of Black love,
1: mm-hmm.
2: it just mm-hmm. means everything yeah. to me. And you know, there are two Black women who wrote this episode. Mm-hmm you know, so that's it. And it was directed by a white woman, you know, mm-hmm. so it was this woman power all the way around. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's just natural, right? It's just black folks being black folks, right? but yeah, what's so, but it's crazy that still in this day and age, just watching a father and a daughter interact the way fathers and daughters do is considered, is still considered an exceptional thing. Mm-hmm. Right, it, like it's an exceptional thing because that is not the depiction of black love that I get to see in most media. Right, right? Mm-hmm. you know, and um, so therefore, it is out of the ordinary. It is extraordinary, mm-hmm. right, to see this depiction of like like most black parents are loving on their kids every day <laughs> in in and out, and we just don't we don't get it, right? We don't right. see that. We don't, those are not the images that are. Chosen to be reflected about our people, so right. it was just, you know, that that is the mo- one of the most powerful aspects of this whole episode to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll it it's all it's going to be gold to me forever because of that alone, yeah. and, and you know, and the the rest of the artistry that took place on here is just icing on the cake for me. That's it, know?
1: definitely. I think I think it's going to be a, a like a classic. You know, an instant classic. Because some of the lines are, like, so memorable. Oh, my gosh. You know, you'll be saying those lines. They'll be in memes. The memes will be crazy for this episode. I know I, it. You know,
2: it's going to be classic. Like, it definitely will. Remember, was like, it felt like my brain was being squeezed out of my, my nose. nose. She yeah. was like, I did that she to a that man one, once. once. <laughs> I was like, okay.
0: <laughs> I, I want to know that story.
2: Right. I know, right?
0: <laughs> I loved that they put this fine for me in my in my science nerdy heart I loved that they had they kept this fine balance where they they still they made it like a fantasy world but it was still clearly like within the enterprise like the enterprise mm-hmm. wasn't changed so much that you couldn't yep. see like the screens yes and all the rest of it and when they start <laughs> talking about magic hammer jumps in there and he's like no no no, it's not magic it's science right science. <laughs> he's got that little tool where he cuts the yeah. bars and he like blows on them afterwards he's like you know and uh I was like, yeah, that's this is hilarious.
1: But in the end, he goes, "I am a wizard.
0: I am a wizard. Yeah, that's
1: right. Yeah.
0: I'm the one who casts all the spells. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and and like that. you said, like the they have that like that funny tone, and the and the actors leaned into it so much. Oh like, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, yeah. and they got Pike could kind of stand off to the side because he's like the coward in this one, and so he's not yeah. forefront in the episode. He can kind of take a back seat. Yeah. And uh, but they really just fell into the roles. Uh, they must have had so much fun.
1: It felt like they were falling into their comfortability with each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it just felt like they were really sinking as actors. I'm not putting any shade on the other um, the other episodes. It's just this one felt like you know this was their all right. This is it. We're really into it. This is this is this is the family. This is what we're gonna be doing. We're gonna be doing these for the next seven years. This is us. This it just felt so you know, like they knew each other, they relaxed with each other. It, it was a good, it felt good. It felt like a feel good type of cast moment for them that we were watching. Mm-hmm. I, I just loved it, you yeah. know? And because the comedic timing between Anson Mount <laughs> and uh, Melissa Navia is gold. Yes. Absolute gold. I mean, it started from when the first scene of them on the ship. <laughs> She's going, are you going to say the thing?
2: i know right <laughs> they are just waiting
1: <laughs> he's going hit it i'm hitting
2: it yeah, hitting not it. Working. nothing's happening nothing's Nothing. happening yeah i agree I, f- I really felt like they were like everybody was relaxed you know you could tell that you could really tell that they were having fun yeah doing this episode you know and exploring these other characters and you know and just wiling out a little bit you know that <laughs> it was it was it was great because yeah. it came through it really came through. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, To me, I was going to ask because I I think you've brought up this important point about how, like, especially how black love and how black families are represented then uh, in television. How do we feel then about the fact that this is young Rukia's last episode, at least in the sense that she has now like evolved and become this other being? I was surprised that maybe the character won't, may not continue on into the rest of the episodes, or that this arc has been now closed. At, at I guess in this part of the season, did we feel that they that that she got a good send off, or that that we felt like this was like a, like a satisfying ending or a point in the character's development?
2: Yeah, I sort of did. I mean, I I knew that at some point they were going to have to resolve. This daughter issue, <laughs> you know, like with with the with the canon that has already been established, right? right. I th- I felt like the pacing of it was was perfect. Because I feel like if they had kept that child in that buffer for much longer, you yeah. know, like, like you can't have like the ghost in the machine traveling around the whole season like that's just right. like, that's going to get tired really fast, you yeah. know, yeah. Yeah. the kid is either going reg- to either going to find a cure for her, you know, and she's going to be amongst the crew. And now we're going to have a kid on the Enterprise, which nobody ever knew about. Mm-hmm. Or they're going to have to find some other solution. So I felt like they did. It was a really cool solution that they found for her. And, and also totally leaving the door open since these beings are out of time and space, you know, we could see her as a child again. There's plenty of room for them to bring that actress back, especially like in callbacks and memories and Dr. Mabenga's yeah. memories or dreams, you know, or even like I said, like even out of time. And out of phase, you know, like she could come back. But I felt like both of the actresses who played her, you know, when she was younger and when she was older, that I felt like they both did a, a phenomenal job. Yes. They were both really enchanting. And then the young mm-hmm. what's her name? Oh, Sage, Sage Arundel? Arendelle. Uh-huh. She's so enchanting. That yeah. little young lady mm-hmm. has so much charisma on that screen. Like every time she was on the screen, it was hard. To look away. You didn't mm-hmm. want to look away. You just wanted to see, you know, I mean, wonderful. Just so I, I think that, you know, they've got there's room. So I'm happy with it. I don't feel like they killed her off too fast or anything. And they didn't really kill her they off. Didn't kill at her all. off no. They didn't kill her off at all. I don't feel like they got rid of her. I don't feel like we're saying goodbye forever,
1: Mm-mm.
2: you know, but I also feel like in order for Uh, dr mabenga's character to move on we really Ah, had to bring Mm -hmm. some type of resolution to the situation with his daughter because otherwise he was going to be trapped in that moment and the rest of the cast was going to be surpassing him and then we were going to get a one-dimensional mabenga
1: Mm -hmm. yeah i agree and it's the
2: first season so i think we get so
1: stuck in these arc shows uh these season-long arc shows that we forget that these are just one-offs and they close them and hopefully next season we'll get a little another, art, you know, another show with her as somebody that's going to help them when they go through another nebula or something, you know, because there's nebulas everywhere. Word. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I I loved it. I loved it. I think it was just so, I loved it. I loved those two actors yeah. that they played the daughters. The way they loved him, the way, they, uh, I just, you know, we have a show. One of the show, first shows we did that had a guest was Ciroc Lofton. And um, we, it was called Black Love. And the Black Love was mainly his Ciroc and, and Ben's love for each other. And this, this just brought me back to that, that love between a parent and a child. I just loved everything about it, you know, as being a child and then being as a parent. I saw that, you know, you see yourself in, in that, human, that human framework, like Samia said, you don't get to see, see enough, enough of and portrayed well. Portrayed you well, know, right. Portrayed well, you know, just regular humans. I mean, I mean, she did turn into a a prophet, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you know yep. what I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> I loved how supportive he was of the, of her transformation. It mm-hmm. wasn't like, oh, I've missed out on these this chunk of your growth, or you have mm-hmm. to come back, or like mm-hmm. it was he was totally obviously they're gonna miss each other, but he was like, No, okay, this is this is your life now, and and you get to have this this new experience that, and I, you know, and he was completely supportive of it. I was like, that's cool. You know, Mm -hmm. that it it wasn't like that. It was like, oh, you need to be here. You need to be with me or you need to stay. Or, you know, I'm sorry that I missed out on all this time. It's, it's like, no, you've, you've, cause she's like, well, for me, I got to travel. Like I'm, I've been out in this space now and existing and, (laughs) and had these other experiences. And I was like, that's awesome.
2: Yeah. It was like a a really unpossessive. Yes. Love, you know, um, which I found was really beautiful. You know, yes.
1: I mean, I get that part. I'm, I'm listening to you guys say this. I'm like, you know, parents are really good at saying, oh, baby, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. This is, but we could be dying inside, you know, yeah. I'm like, don't leave me. Yeah, I believe that. And, you know, that's what good parents do. You know, you just say, as long as you're happy, that's all that, and, and, and it is all, that's all that matters. But, you know, parents are still going, oh no, yeah. You, know, you know so yeah i laughed when you guys said that i was like mm, okay
0: <laughs> <laughs> like i know what's going on inside of him inside yeah
2: happening. inside yeah. he's mm-hmm. dying well i felt like they showed <laughs> but, yeah. that i felt yeah. like he did a, a really wonderful job portraying the that moment yeah he did of letting go you know <laughs> mm-hmm. and the struggle yeah. that he was that was happening internally like you could see that he didn't want to mm mm-hmm he really wanted his baby girl and he really wanted to, to have those years and all the rest of those experiences. But at the mm-hmm. same time, what was he going to do? Right, right?
1: Yeah. That's what, that's what you're here for to make sure they're safe.
2: Y'all know what I kept thinking about the whole what? time during that mm. part sting. I kept thinking about Sting. If you love somebody, set them free. If you, you know. love <laughs> somebody, right? Exactly. exactly. Okay.
1: Okay. We're not going to talk about Sting because you know before <laughs> Sting started doing "Set Them Free," uh, if you love somebody, he was seeing "Every Breath You Take." That's right.
2: <laughs> yeah. <And laughs> okay. This is so true. <laughs> okay. He grew. He grew. He grew and, and, and he
1: had all those people using that for their wedding songs. I'm like, wait a minute. I
2: know it was really you know what he's really right? saying.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, don't I'll be stand. So close to me yeah uh, things got a whole ray of, of oh, maybe oh yeah uh, right the whole evolution oh my god okay, yeah, don't yeah. sing
2: anymore i don't know if we're going to start <laughs> owing, owing people money yeah that's
0: right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right one last thing i wanted to bring up here that i i really appreciated is that the start of this episode when they they again more of those incredible visuals and strange new worlds when they first first end up arriving at this nebula and you can see like the gas cloud and everything out there and pike makes this comment he's like i could just do this this would be great We like the action whatever is just out here finding these cool things and exploring and i love that because there are a couple times where i feel like in some of the other franchises when they're doing the exploration part they almost make the actors or the, the characters comment and how bored they are they're like, yeah. what is it? Oh, is it just another comet? Oh, fine. Is it, oh, it's just another nebula. It's just more radiation. And I was like, but that's why you're here. You're explorers. And, mm-hmm. and I love that they, when they find new phenomenon in strange new worlds, or they find something like this nebula, they, they're all like, oh, this is cool. We're, this, we're doing the exploring and it, it's, this is what we're here for, not the shooting and the, the action and everything else, but we just want to learn about things that are new. I definitely was happy that they, uh, that they actually said that because I,
1: I think that's getting lost in a lot of Trek. I know they always try to go back to it, but I, I, I did love that.
2: Yeah. I loved it too. I love the optimism, the joy, just the sheer joy of being out there yeah. and finding something new mm-hmm. in, in this, in this life. You know, um, I think they capture that really well, but I also think though that some of the other shows have the benefit of, coming after these first crews right you know Mm -hmm. like by the time these other shows get on you know are their crews are out there the federation has been around for a long time starfleet's been around for a long time like sometimes it is just like you know after 200 years like yeah it's another damn nebula (laughs) (laughs) like like, okay whoop-dee okay We've, we've seen that i've kind of studied this a million times you know like you know and i so i get like in a, in a way, I get that, but I also understand what you mean is like that we don't necessarily have to call it out so much in the writing, mm-hmm. right. you know, because yeah. this is still Star Trek and and this and what we do is get excited about the unknown, you know, and this is what we're trying to show people that it's okay not to know everything it's even more exciting to discover and find out and learn new things you know and not to be afraid of the things that we don't know
0: so yeah Yeah. i get you yeah to embrace the wonder Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah
1: fansets merchandise as we know is the leader in pin collectibles for star trek but they offer more than that in addition to Star Trek, you can find pins for The Big Bang Theory, Scooby-Doo, DC Comics, Batman 66, Harry Potter, and Rick and Morty.
0: As a listener to the show, you can receive 10% off your next order from Fansets by using code TrekGeeks. that's all capital letters, at checkout. And remember that you receive free shipping in the U.S. on orders over $30 or more. FanSets, our pins have character, and we thank FanSets for being a presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network.
2: Starfleet Command is proud to present you the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor.
0: Medals and awards, Tamiya. Why don't we start with you because you were you you were already talking about awards. Where are they going?
2: <laughs> I have many, but I'm oh. going
0: to. I know
2: I'm going to try to keep <laughs> it. Okay, so the first one I want to give out is to the costuming. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. The costuming, <laughs> all of them, costuming, costuming, cost- everybody's costume was amazing. Mm-hmm. I just felt like I love the queen's costume, Bernadette Croft. She was, but I mean, she was amazing. And I was watching the ready room, seeing their whole design process for mm-hmm. it made me it like even more in love with what they did and what they were able to pull off. And I just, I mean, the fashion of it, you know, the fashion of everything that they designed was amazing and beautiful to look at. And I really wanted, you know, I really wanted to wear. And did you see how the queen, when, when, when she went and sat on the throne Uh and the skirt split split and girl, it was those white pants on the white heels. I was like, wait, what? "What? what? You better stop. What's going on here? all better (laughs) work. Y'all better work. It was it was everything. It was it everything. Was. Like, but I love like so costuming, they get my first, my first medal. Yeah. My second one goes to three actors all together. And that's Christina Chong and Melissa Navia <laughs> and Anson Mount. Those fools. <laughs> yes, exactly. Those fools. I mean, Christina Chong as that spoiled princess with the dog had me dying. Luna. Runa, (laughs) her dog was awesome too runa runa's in there too i love runa but i mean she christina chong just really blew my socks off with her character just (laughs) it was so i mean she was dynamic and it was hilarious and and wonderful and um and then of course uh melissa and anson together were just too funny Mm -hmm. too funny for words and then my other medal goes to the writers right my um to Akilah Cooper and Onitra Johnson for bringing this amazing, beautiful, uh, story, uh, to life. So those are, those are my medals this week. I could go on ad nauseum about it and I <laughs> shall not because I feel like you guys are going to say pretty much a lot of the same things <laughs> that I would have said anyway. So yeah, your turn. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Mine is pretty similar to, uh um
2: to be us, but
1: I'm only going to give, well, I'm going to give out one award, even though uh, there are many, but I'm gonna give out one award to the two writers. You could tell that this was written by Trek, Trek fans. This was a love letter to not only the characters, but there was a love letter to Trek fans, I believe, especially those who love Mabenga. I mean, we got a Mabenga episode. Mabenga had a few words uh, and was a private little war. And I don't know, he was in another one. I can't remember what it was, but, you know, that's all we got. But as Black people, we know Momenga. <laughs> we know he was there, you know? And it was wonderful to have, even this whole season, just having him, but to have this type of episode where he was the king. And I love the fact, I mean, everything about it, just, just the, the book. Mm-hmm. I love DS9 so much, you know? Mm-hmm. And I hate the fact that, DS9 is always on the back burner for Mm -hmm. everything Star Trek. Picard this season, I hate to say this, but they use Star Trek, our beloved Star Trek characters as fodder. Yes, they did. And I did not appreciate that at all. You put a, you know, you're using, it was was just terrible. And it kind of broke my heart, you know, but this, to put this book out, and I've been dying to find out what this book was about, and then to find out it was written by Benny Russell. I mm-hmm. mean, you can't, I mean, you, you just warmed our little deep space nine hearts. I mean, yep. we're just like, what? This is this is all we needed, you know, some respect for our fran- our, our series because we it's, I feel like we don't get it but that's for another podcast (laughs) I just love that the that the story really went it it was very campy you know it was great it was very tos I loved it I mean I think I'm going to love tos more and more because of strange new worlds Mm. um and I I find that I'm going back to look at some of the episodes you know I, I just have a little more appreciation for tos and I, I, like I said before, I think this is an instant classic because it had these one-liners that were just popping off, you know, and they were great. And like I said, there's going to be memes everywhere for this. thing. <laughs> but it just was a very well-done script. You know, it had everything in it, you know, everything. And I've seen Star Trek movies didn't, that didn't have this mm-hmm. much goodness in it. But that's who my award goes to. It goes to the two writers. Uh, I think they did a phenomenal job. You know they wrote two really good stories, and there are two stories that we can that could have been just one episode, uh, one episode each. But I appreciate them. I really appreciate the love for DS9
0: too. I, I it just blew me away. So awesome, thank you. Probably covering similar ground here, but. Yeah, I was also going to give a shout out to the writers. This is one of the first times where after an episode, I went back and I tried to find out like more about the writers. I wanted to have a similar impact with a Star Trek story. It would be like this. Like this is the kind of heart in it I would want to be able yeah. to, to, to have. And so I had done some quick searching online and I had quickly looked up at Kayla Cooper. And then it was around that time, actually, Tamiya, that then you, you sent me the link to that, that mm-hmm. blog. And I was like, oh, yes, exactly. Like <laughs> you, this shines through exactly yeah. uh-huh. in this episode. Mm-hmm. So Melissa Navia for pulling off some awesome sword fighting this episode because <laughs> like, that is super cool. Yeah. And then a couple times now I've I've thrown out awards to Babs, son Mokun. Yes. And I'm going to do so again this episode because that last, mm-hmm. like it was so many feelings in mm-hmm. that last scene with Rukia. And one of the main reasons why I was always drawn to Star Trek as a younger person was trying to find some chosen family in in some father figures on mm. on, on, uh-huh. on, a, on a show uh-huh. like that was what a big thing for me I uh, was trying to find some familial connection because I needed that mm. when I was younger like I would want Benga as a dad like hell yeah <laughs> like that would be amazing you know was like so supportive and loving and gentle and just and supportive of your journey and where you're going and I was like who doesn't need that in their life any last thoughts before we wrap up I just want to say first of all that I'm so glad I get to do this with both of you
2: yeah this is awesome
0: <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> it is awesome. It like, is. We have
2: to do we have to do more of this incarnation in the future on yeah. other shows, you know. Absolutely.
1: I watched this 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 episode quite a few times and I didn't find out about the title of the the book until like today. So every mm-hmm. thoughts I had before like totally changed. <laughs> you know, my my track of thinking about this uh episode totally changed today and I was just overwhelmed by the DS9 love that pretty much that's all that <laughs> I can remember right now but I like I said I, I there was so there's just so much going on here I love this I think I love the book the the part I, I loved that before I found out who the author was but I just love the fact that they had when they kept showing you know the pictures and how they went with the character and the and the crewmen I, I loved all of that I even loved Mitchell I think that was Mitchell. That's her name, Mitchell, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. um, the Navigator. I yeah. love that she was part of it too. I thought mm-hmm. that was perfect. You know, Big we scar got to know across Mitchell, the eye, and stuff. right? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what has she been through? Right. <laughs> but I love that even she was a part of um, part of it because I love those little characters. You don't know where they, you know, DS9. You know, you see a picture, uh, a character once, and then next thing, next thing, you know, they got an arc that's better than the lead characters, you know? Right. So, so hopefully we'll see more Mitchell too. Yeah. The theme of this, this episode was good. It was just good.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I like the aspect of the, of the sacrifice, right. Mm. You know, but not like in a romanticizing, you know, what the sacrifice is sort of way. I mean, it was really, you could tell that it was hurtful, you know, but I mean, it was the, that, that love for a parent, for a child uh, that I would do anything to see them, you know, it just really hit me. I, I thought mm-hmm. it was really point because I believe that not everybody is so lucky to be loved like that. Mm-hmm. I have been very lucky to be loved like that. And I have been very unlucky to not be loved like that. I mean that may, if that makes sense, you know, it I is. have yeah. different different parents and mm-hmm. and different experiences with them and also like I didn't even I never met my biological father until I was 19, you know, mm-hmm. like I mean I I was raised by my stepfather mm-hmm. and not for like want of like anybody being like oh no, I'm going to keep you away from your dad. It wasn't like that, you know, it just I, when I was ready to meet him, I asked and, mm-hmm. you know, and he was there.
1: Wow. Yeah.
2: I look upon that relationship with her and, and, and Dr. Mabenga as her father. And, and I yearn for that still, like as mm. a grown woman, you know, mm. I yearn for that true, pure connection that I never really had. I mean, I, I, had it with my father a little bit, but I mean, mm-hmm. I have like four half sisters, mm-hmm. right. And they got most of that time, you know, with my dad, there's so many fields. And that's what I think is so powerful about this episode is that it yep. doesn't just fit the one mold, you know, Exactly. Uh, um, you know, because, but I do have another parent who loves me, you know, with, out reservation (laughs) idiots. Yvette knows my mother vicariously. You know Linda, (laughs) hi Linda. She (laughs) loves me unreservedly. And I know that I put her through so much hell in this lifetime. And she still said, you know, go do your thing right Mm -hmm. you know like and I can't and so when I watch this episode too it makes me think of like wow what was that doing to her during all that time when I was out there being crazy Mm -hmm. you know and she loved me enough to let me be my own human being told you it's
1: the hardest part of being a
2: parent (laughs) right right you know and not Mm -hmm. to try to you know And and our relationship is not ruined because she didn't try to strangle me and keep me in one place. You know what I'm saying? That respected me enough to go out and make my own mistakes. So, you know, I don't know. I love the I love that theme of this episode, and I love that they could deliver such a heavy theme in such a light way. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, we can ingest it. It's not so so heavy first of all i wasn't crying the whole episode i was only crying <laughs> part of the episode the and beginning i was in the end <laughs> right and, and i was able to laugh and my mm-hmm. characters weren't crying the whole episode you know um you know i was able to laugh they just i think they just really did it really masterfully yeah. and i think it's going to stay and keep Percolating inside of me, it's one of those ones that I think is going to stay with me for a long time. Oh yeah, it's a classic, an instant classic. Right. I believe that. And I can I add just one thing. Everything
1: you said, everything you said about that, I, I love the f- fact that we said you said our characters show that family love. I love that that it's us. I, I love that it's us. That the the color of those people are our color. That you know that it's just, it just makes it seem like, I I think I've said this before in our podcast, you know, I feel like we never seen as humans, Mm -hmm. you know, we're magical, we're angry, you know, we're everything, but just plain old human beings that, you know, go day to day. And I love the fact that this was portrayed by a black man and a child and a black child. I Mm -hmm. I just think that to me, it, it just made it more poignant. So,
2: yeah, I feel like there's a lot of work that needs to be done to normalize what is actually our normal experiences. You know, I I felt like there's a lot of energy that's been expended into making the myth of the Black man Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and the myth of the Black woman, which is like, when you watch the news, you know, like, who do you see whose pictures being shown as portraying all the crime as perpetrating all the crime in the city, Mm -hmm. like, like other people don't perpetrate crimes like you know but it's uh, all you see are black folks like we're the only ones out there doing you know doing crime raising Mm -hmm. hell in the world you know and that and it's and it's not true and it's mathematically impossible that these crime rates that we we are uh, are responsible for these high crime rates all by ourselves this is the myth that is perpetrated Right, the the angry black woman myth is perpetrated consistently, repeatedly in mainstream media, and then the and the black man as drug dealer, or the black man as violent. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the images that you see of black people over and over and over and over and over again, or the, like
1: or the absent father, or the
2: absent father, right, or the or the abusive mother, or the that we, does not
1: have a color, right. You know,
2: so you know, I mean, like I mean, I remember watching big network weekend shows. One day I like woke up and it was on and I was like, and they would like had this feel good story section where they literally run all these people. I've watched the show like three weeks in a row right and they run these stories about like all these good things happening in this country that all these things that great things that people are doing for each other right Mm -hmm. nice things in the middle of the pandemic or you know in the middle of the recession do you know only one of those stories they were doing like six packages at a time right one i saw one in three weeks that had a black person in it mm. and you know what that black person was doing he was a delivery guy who did something nice for some for some white person mm. you know when he made their delivery three weeks so this is what i'm talking about like that there mm. is a there's a lot of effort being expended to make sure that americans and other people around the world think yes. of black people as only one way yep. that's why a show like this like this episode is so valuable and so important and that's why we need more because it normalizes Mm -hmm. in the eyes of a mainstream audience who and what we are now I'm not saying that we have to go around and try to justify our existence to anybody right Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that I need anybody's damn approval Mm -hmm. for my existence but what I am saying is that the only way to counter a targeted attack (laughs) against against who we are is to tell our side. And and, and this is why it's important that we are in these positions as Mm -hmm. writers and producers on these shows, you know? And so, you know, this this particular episode of the show is just the bomb because it exists and because of the way in which they executed their vision. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree.
2: Matthew?
0: I'm just so glad that you're the two that I'm doing this episode with, (laughs) because the portrayal of, of Black characters, of Black love, this is something that I can appreciate by seeing it as that other part of the other mainstream viewership as you're talking about, but I can't speak to it on that personal level, but mm-hmm. I am, I'm so grateful that I get to hear it in, you know, within the context of this episode live. And so I'm very grateful that both of you are here to talk about and to share it. And so, and thank you for, for sharing that really, really appreciate it. And I'm, I'm just so glad that Star Trek is making these things go forward. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And yes. Oh, yeah. We want to talk about pushing back actual frontiers yeah but this is the stuff that i'm really excited about that star trek can do yes this is the good stuff this is it yeah Yeah,
1: they definitely have lived up because i was very worried you know they have definitely lived up to the hype and it it is so far turning out to be what we what we hope for Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know the, the series we hope for
2: library computer data being received
1: Don't forget that you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks podcast network by subscribing to bonus content on Patreon. Get access to unedited audio of all our podcasts and of a lot of other perks. If you'd like to support this and the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks podcast network, beam on over to patreon.com forward slash Trek Geeks, where subscriptions start at low as $2 per month. For more great Star Trek discussion, check out the aforementioned member podcast on the network. In addition to discovering Trek, there is Trek Geeks, Rewind, Polytreks, Five-Year Mission, Deep Space Pride, Drawn to Trek, Infinite Trek, The Divine Treasury, Sci-Fi Sisters, Science Station 2, with the first link and the newest addition to the network, ConPod, about Star Trek conventions. You can find all these shows and where to listen on TrekGeeks.com forward slash listen or by downloading the TrekGeeks mobile app.
0: Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at FiveYearMission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com. Or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Next week, All Those That Wander, the USS Enterprise crew comes face to face with their demons and scary monsters too when their landing party is stuck on a barren planet with a ravenous enemy. That's it for Episode 8, The Elysian Kingdom, written by Akela Cooper and Onitra Johnson and directed by Amanda Rowe. Remember that you can find more of my co-hosts Yvette and Tamiya on The Sci-Fi Sisters and more of me on TNG Podcast with the First Link. Both Sci-Fi Sisters and with the First Link are podcasts here on the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Discovering Trek Strange New World Episode 9 is already recorded at the time of this recording and should be out later this week to sync up with the finale of Strange New World Episode 10, the season finale. Trek Geeks, nobody talks Trek like we do.